biggest thing is showing them that they can let go. So many times we're helping people let go of their baby, essentially, <laughs> you know, like they've built this business, they care so much, they're passionate. And how can you care as much about my business as I do? Which is a fair question. And I think that's all, a lot of what that control comes down to. If you don't care as much, you're not going to do as well. You're not going to invest as much. But you get that same care and passion invested in your business when they care about what they're doing. Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast brought to you by Cartavera, a leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business and grow your life. Today, we have Rachel Luther with us, and Rachel is the founder of an organization called Check Off Your List. She is an entrepreneur and has been a virtual assistant and in the business of outsourcing for more than 10 years, long before the concept or idea of virtual assistants and outsourcing had become mainstream. She has found the secret sauce, and today she's going to talk about what are some of the key questions you need to be asking when you look at outsourcing for your business. As well as if you're in the outsourcing business, what are some of the key things to think about in terms of demonstrating your true value to the people that you want to serve? This is a conversation about outsourcing as well as entrepreneurship, leadership, and answering this key question of what are the ways to look at the value of outsourcing in terms of growing your business and creating more balance in your life. Leadership Junkies podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. We are excited to be back here today. We have Rachel Luther with us, and it's special for me because Rachel and I are not sure if we actually physically met, <laughs> but I know we worked together when she was, was, and apparently her company continues to support an organization called National Speakers Association of Ohio several years ago, but Rachel is an interesting guest. She is the founder of an organization called Check Off Your List. I know you all are excited already. When I get to think about checking off the list, I get really excited. Then <laughs> she's an entrepreneur and she's a virtual assistant and has been before people even knew what that meant. <laughs> she has spent 10 plus years growing her virtual assistant business from her one woman show to now a team of talented professionals that provide every area of back office virtual support. And she is here today to give us the secrets, the secret sauce about how do you do work? How do you create life balance? strategies for outsourcing, remote work. Hey, that's a topic of the day and everything else. And I'll tell you a little, uh, a little promo here. Rachel created this business to have a life and mm. built this business. And she's going to tell you about it while not only raising four children, but homeschooling them. Wow. And by the way, homeschooling them before everybody was homeschooling. This is <laughs> before the pandemic. So this is funny. She says, she's often asked, can you be an entrepreneur and still have it all? And her answer is yes. And her <laughs> podcast, by the way, checking off your list, will give you those secrets as well. So welcome to the conversation, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast, for sure. I appreciate the opportunity. 
So Rachel, give everybody a little bit of the Rachel Luther backstory. Yeah. So I, you are correct. I started my podcast to have, or not my podcast, but my business to have a life and quickly found that it took over my life. Um, (laughs) I was pregnant with my first child, started uh, building my business in order to stay home with her as a new mom and quickly worked myself up to part-time. And as I continued to have children and continue to grow my business, my children were needy, my business was needy, and (laughs) I was burning the candle at both ends. And uh, essentially one day my husband looked at me and was like, this isn't sustainable. Like this isn't going to work long-term. Something has to change. And it kind of took someone saying that to me for me to realize, oh, like I can't keep getting up at 4.35 in the morning and working (laughs) until 11 and bouncing back and forth between all the things. And so I started outsourcing. I realized I needed to either cut back on my business or, um, or start to outsource. And so I started outsourcing and that is actually when my business started to grow exponentially. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of my journey. And like, I started to, I started a business to be with my kids, to spend time with them, to be mom and be there. But then I found myself working all the time and being frustrated with them and with my husband and everything because I couldn't juggle and do all of the things. And so I lost exactly what I was looking for by starting my business. When you're looking at the exponential Mm -hmm. growth that happened after you started outsourcing, but is that because you were kind of holding back on selling because you didn't want to sell more because you had to do more or what, what changed in there? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's probably twofold. One was probably subliminally, I can only handle so much. I remember selling and then coming back and being like, oh, now I have to do the work. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember that feeling and being like, when yeah. am I going to do that? I guess it's going to be another late night. But then also I realized that my efficiency and productivity significantly increased as I hired people mm-hmm. who were better at things than me. Gotcha. So I hired people to fill in my gaps and where I was weak. And then all of a sudden results were significantly greater. They were doing things better and faster and the clients were happier. And so as a result, everybody wins. Like it was, it was uh, more client work, happy clients asked for more things. And then by being more efficient and in productive, as we do the services, profitability goes up. Like you are then able to make better and wiser decisions as a company I then also could lean into where I am most effective. So then my impact on check off your list in my business was significantly greater. So, so Rachel, you answered a question before I even asked it, which is <laughs> you do outsource. 100%. I mean, yes. That, and I find that fat. I'm curious, was this an awareness you had from almost the beginning or was there an aha? Because sometimes we have our own blind spots. Because I know this, if I'm talking to someone who offers outsourced services as a mm-hmm. business, I always ask them if they do the outsourcing as well. Because if they say no, my response is, ah, uh, <laughs> maybe this is the wrong person. Yes. So full transparency, I did not at first as a, you know, independent person bringing in, uh, you know, clients and starting. No, there was a, a somewhat of an oxymoron in that way where, um, but I actually started my company because I saw my parents as entrepreneurs 
needing help that they didn't have. So it's like, I saw a need, but I didn't see it in my own life. And it took my husband sitting down and talking to me and being like, something has to give. And then my type A personality, my go big or go home type of endeavor towards business was like, well, I can't fire clients. I can't, like, I don't want to cut back. And so I got creative, which is a lot of outsourcing. It's creative solutions. And I got creative and started outsourcing. And that is when things really started to work and succeed. So I wish I had done it sooner. Like, like really, I should have listened to you, Jeff, if we had had a conversation at the time. Like, I should have outsourced sooner and I would have seen much different results at the beginning. Oh, I have blind spots too. Trust me. <laughs> oh, we all do. <laughs> I don't know them all, but I'm sure they're, they're sitting there right now. They're right here behind me somewhere just going, yeah, oh, we wait, got I you. I thought you knew all your blind spots, Jeff. No, I'm not one of those. <laughs> So Rachel, the question I want to start with is this, when I look at what um, these topics, virtual, you know, virtual admin, virtual assistant, um, outsourcing, remote work, if we went back three years ago, I mean, these are known topics. You said you started doing this before people knew the term. People knew the term three years ago, mm -hmm. but today it's a whole different conversation because yeah. Today, if someone like today, if someone said, "Hey, I'm homeschool homeschooling four kids," people go, "Yeah, so am I." I mean, right. they've all done that. So, what has really shifted the last three, two or three years on these topics of outsourcing and remote work, largely due to the pandemic? Yeah, I would say it's receptivity to it, really, like people's willingness to uh, to work remotely and people realizing and recognizing that it is an effective method of doing business before that there were definitely people, and I'm sure they are still in the world, but that was not an option. I would talk to people and they want to know, well, when are you showing up at my office? How are you going to do this? If you're not in my office, we don't have those conversations anymore. So I think that is a big difference as far as just education and what's considered normal because so many people and companies that weren't remote are now remote and they're not going back. Uh, there are companies who they're doing a hybrid thing now, or they're just selling bu buildings and not even going back into their full office because there are benefits to working remotely. Yeah. There are benefits to on location as well. But sure. I would say that's the biggest shift in the last three years. It's just people's willingness to do it, the normalcy of it, and the... Um, the way it functions too, there are a lot of softwares and things that have been developed that are now better than they were three years ago, even if they aren't new, there, there are a lot more options available to make it easier. Do you ever need to educate um, potential clients on how to make this work? Or do most people come in understanding what they need to outsource, how they want to work? Some people come in knowing they have a virtual assistant and they're changing directions or they're adding to their team. So some people know there is definitely a lot of education and that comes with showing them softwares and file sharing and different options that we have to keep ourselves on the same page, heading in the same direction and working towards the same goals without seeing each other in person all the time. Yeah. So what are the most common things that people outsource? The most common things what I, well, what I tell people to outsource are the things that they just don't seem to get to, the things that they <laughs> avoid, the things that are on their to-do list at the end of the day, and they're still there the next morning, the, the things that you don't want to do or aren't inclined to do. That's one thing that people outsource. Now, that depends on who you are. 
Some people that's bookkeeping, some people that's marketing, right. some people, you know, it could be something else, but they, they do come down to some of those types of things. There's are some common denominators among those, depending on your personality type and your business and what you're interested in doing. I would say a lot of that is just general admin support, keeping people organized, uh, appointment setting and emails and various things like that. And an executive assistant. The other thing would definitely be bookkeeping that people often outsource bookkeeping. If you hire a business coach, one of the first things they're going to want to know and see are your numbers. And a lot of businesses don't have those. So outsourcing to a bookkeeper is one of those first things that a lot of people outsource to. And then marketing as well. Mm -hmm. To get your best results in marketing, people will then outsource that. So, so Rachel, you use the word, there's great, there's greater receptivity. Mm-hmm. And that suggests someone that you're talking to or sharing this idea with. I'm wondering if there's oh, just this heightened demand now where people are proactively looking for outsourced solutions, particularly because if I've worked with a team for the last 18 months or so remotely, some people are trapped in, I've got to get them all back here. Others are going to say, I can work with a remote team. So going forward, I'm going to consciously choose remote and maybe outsource people mm-hmm. because I've had this experience. I've done it now. It's not foreign to me anymore. So have you seen that? And what are some of the nuances of that? Yes, I would say people are more receptive to it in that they are now looking for that as a solution. And I think the you know, I forget exactly the exact words that you said, but like the the cause and effect of that is there are a lot more solutions and resources available. You have a lot more options to choose from when it comes to looking for someone to outsource. And so I think that as a result, supply and demand, there have been a lot of new independent virtual assistants or virtual assistant companies or a lot of people outsource overseas. There are many more solutions that weren't there before. What are you, um, to that point, uh, and I don't have the data in front of me. Someone shared it recently. I'm not going to try and remember it. We were talking about the great resignations, what Mm -hmm. I call the great reassessment, all these people leaving the workforce is continuing. I think October was another 4 million people. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's huge numbers. And some people are saying, well, people are starting their own businesses, but actually business startups are down in terms of recorded startups. I'm guessing that there's a lot of people that are getting into your business these days who are saying, I'm not going to work for somebody. I'm going to do this on my own. Are you seeing that? And if so, how does that start to impact this industry? Yes, I'm definitely seeing that. I see online, especially a lot of people who are in a nine to five and want to leave that. They, they want to become a virtual assistant on their own rather than work their typical job or they've left their job or their their job has left them. (laughs) (laughs) However you want to say that they then are like, I want to do this virtualist assistant thing. And there are a lot of courses and podcasts and resources to train them to get, you know, to on how to be a virtual assistant. A lot of people are also then selling that in this time. And so, yes, that is definitely happening. I think that, um, supply and demand, and then also just natural. Well, it's something that a lot of people feel that they can do. And I think the biggest thing in that scenario is to make sure that they know what their expertise is. Hmm. And a virtual assistant is way different than 
uh, a receptionist or someone who works as an admin in an office. It's a different way of working and you really niche into something and collect your clients around that. And I think that is that is the key thing that um, businesses need to look for. And that's the key thing that virtual assistants need to focus on as they're growing their business. So when you're looking at that, should we be looking at a company that can provide all of the services that we want or pick and choose between the companies that are expertise in individual matters? I would say that depends on the, the business and the entrepreneur. Uh, my recommendation would be for a business that is growing and scaling. They know they have big goals. They want to go places. Don't pick a virtual assistant that you'll outgrow. Hmm. So if you... um if you know and you foresee in your projections like you're going to grow, I highly recommend going with a virtual assistant company that has a lot of different expertise because one virtual assistant isn't going to meet all your needs. Yeah. And so then you can get an expert in each thing that you need. You can have a marketing expert. You can have a bookkeeping expert. You can have an HR expert to help you hire other team members that that you would need. And so that would be your solution. If you know, hey, I'm coasting, I'm good, I'm content this is my business is what I want and I need this help, then you might be great with another solution. So you might find a virtual assistant that you can get really close to is as an independent contractor that's solely by themselves and develop that relationship and rapport. And that could be a beautiful thing in that scenario. So I think it kind of depends. And especially starting out, oftentimes people outsource overseas, which is the most cost-effective way to do it. But then there are language issues and other time zones, things that I hear that are variables from people who have that solution. And sometimes it works perfectly. It just kind of depends on what your needs are and what you are prioritizing as a business owner. Yeah, good point. Let's talk about some terminology here. You have repeatedly used the term virtual assistant. And I mean, I hired my first virtual assistant. I don't remember, but it was a long time ago. It was before... Mm -hmm. It was pretty early, at least early on. Mm -hmm. But now it's evolved that the, the range of services, like your company is not a virtual assistant company to me. It's an outsourced company. And one of the, one of the offerings is a virtual assistant. How is the industry, do you see that industry shifting that way and help people understand some of the differences? Yes, you are exactly right. So there are, different, we'll say levels or different categories. And I use the word, term virtual assistant to encompass a good bit of what we do, but you're right. It's actually a little bit more niche than that. I would say a virtual assistant would be the um, more entry level role that you would be looking for. They're not necessarily an entry level professional, but it is just more general administrative work. Then if you go into the different expertise, so you have a graphic design assistant or you have a social media mm -hmm. expert or a strategist, or you have an HR specialist, then you're getting into just full back office support, which is how we sort of brand our, our my company online. It's, it's back office support. It's a back office team mm -hmm. of virtual assistants. And that's kind of where we fall into it. There's another thing that's developed recently that are called like business managers or people who are focusing on more business processes. And yeah. they do more the strategy planning and 
implementation more than um, maintenance or ongoing support in some of those areas. They more get you set up with your processes. And I look at them a little bit more of a coach aspect than uh, than like a virtual assistant. Like if you're comparing the difference, those might not be like the the best terms, but I think it, it makes a good example of the difference. And then I've heard the term business process outsourcing, which which I think is, you know, you're mm-hmm. offloading an entire process rather than necessarily just getting coaching on changing a process or crafting a process. But it's like, OK, we'll take that over for you and mm-hmm. we'll deliver the result that you're looking for. Kind of like a black box. You know, you got the inputs coming in, you got the outputs coming out. So is that something that you also tap into or is what is the how do, how do you work with that? We definitely talk to clients and potential clients about, okay, what are you currently doing? And then we create and implement a strategy for their processes. My thought process on something like that is if you have to train your assistant, train your back office support on how to do certain things. Now, there's a difference between like knowing your business and knowing your goals. But if you have to teach your social media strategist how to access your social media, you hired the wrong person. They should be training you. They should be getting your goals, getting your objectives, and then telling you what they need to do. And uh, I can't quote him correctly on this. Steve Jobs said something similarly, talking about hiring. He was in an interview and essentially was like, well, I don't know the answer. If I did, I wouldn't need to hire you. (laughs) <laughs> like, and that's, that's the philosophy. Like if you're, you're assisting your social media or your bookkeeper is asking you, well, if I knew I wouldn't need you. And right. so like, you're looking for that kind of a relationship. If you're really wanting to scale and really wanting to successfully outsource, because there's a, there's a difference between having someone help you and truly outsourcing where it's not on your mental it doesn't take your mental capacity and take your stress and still stay on your to-do list, even though someone else is technically doing some of it. It makes a lot of sense. I, I know I was talking with somebody who had implemented SAP, which is, you know, this massive um, software. And he said, you know, we did it in six months and had a successful implementation. Most people can't get it done in multiple years. He said, what we did was we didn't try to make it fit our needs. We fit it because they already had the best practices. They already had the best processes and everything else in place. We just adopted that as the way that we do business. And in the same way, I guess you're really looking for that outsourcing partner who can tell you, this is the way you should run this part of your business and we'll help you do that. Absolutely. That's exactly what you're looking for. Gotcha. So uh, Rachel, I think this is such an important conversation because you're talking about strategies for people to get balance. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of cases, this is a vital, a vital key to them actually growing their business. Yes. And, um, and I remember when I first started looking at this, I feel like I didn't have the, some of the control issues. Maybe I did. <laughs> but the bigger issue for me was learning how to use a virtual assistant because at that point, I was incredibly effective in using my on-site assistant. Very empowered, very trusting. And that person had access to me. That, I mean, I had a person at the end, my last in-person assistant, who would literally walk in and take stuff off my desk and do it. 
without <laughs> even giving it to them. Now, virtually, the challenge was I had to think of it and I had to do that extra step mm. to reach out. And ultimately, it required creating a rhythm of communication because otherwise, I didn't have the easy handoff. I in the beginning, I remember when I hired them the first and within the first month, they said, "You've got to give us something to do." Yes. <laughs> like yes. I, I want to, I want to, but it be, at that point, it was actually more work for me, mm -hmm. and I had to get over that initial hump. So, can you talk about like how do you use this and some of those mindsets you've got to change or processes? to make this work? So it's a slowing down to speed up for sure. <laughs> and that's the whole setting everything up, getting people access to everything, getting into a rhythm. But I think communication is what becomes vital past that point. There's always a, a learning curve and a setup. Like that is just the, the pains of doing business or the pains of transition and growing your team. But past that, I think the most critical thing for our clients and what our team members do is a routine touch base. And so many times in those conversations, we walk into that 15 minute time block with no real agenda, but then we come out of that with a laundry list of things to do because of the way that we communicate and talk and strategize and plan. And one of our team members calls it uh, just a, a brain dump. Our, we get in the rhythm of our clients tend to just brain dump on us. And then we can take that, make sense of it and do things with it. And I think as entrepreneurs, that's very helpful to overcome some of what you're talking about. It allows us to proactively say, oh, well, I can do that for you as we're doing those touch bases and things. And then we can overcome the, the little idiosyncrasies of the access and various things, which ideally are already set up in the onboarding you've used the term many times entrepreneurs and i'm wondering are you fine because not everybody's an entrepreneur and maybe this is a definitional thing everybody who has a business says they're an entrepreneur i, I don't think that's true anymore no are, but is there something unique to the entrepreneurs where this is a, a better fit or is that just a language difference I think it's a language thing. Like, cause when I think about our top tier clients, you know, cause every business owner, you know, you evaluate who are you looking for, ideal client, that type of thing. The primary thing would not necessarily be that they are a traditional entrepreneur in the sense of what you're talking about. Some okay. of our best clients might be, you know, they are in a business or they're a sales rep or they are doing something else where they just need support. And so I would just say that's a, that's just a term that I've been using, but I don't think it applies more specifically one way or the other. I think you're right, Jeff. I think, I think the, the issue of entrepreneur, oftentimes you're looking at somebody who's building a business that's, that's beyond them versus somebody who's self-employed. Is, um, are you finding differences? Cause you've been doing this 10 years plus now mm -hmm. over those 10 years. And I guess more specifically the last couple of years, are you finding differences in fit between based on the size of the business? Hmm. Yes, uh, we definitely support larger businesses now than what we did when I first started. And I, I think that's just an evolution of a business and the way that uh, we have chosen to start doing business. We found that on a, lar in, on a larger scale, when we're working with someone more closely, we can really develop some of the relationship 
that is successful and vital um, for a long-term growth of our clients. We really feel that we pull ourselves and insert ourselves, I guess, into their business. And it, it's now our business. It's it's our goal. It's what we're working towards together. And when I first started, we were, it was smaller clients, which tended to be more hobby clients in some ways. And that it's harder to get in that same groove when you're working less closely or less often. Because that's interesting. Um, I, I'm curious about, we talked a number of times about balance and growth. Are you seeing any patterns of what's driving people to you? Are they coming and saying, I just want things off my plate, which might be about balance, or they're saying, I got to get things off my plate so I can actually grow this business. What are they coming to you with? I would say both of those things, depending on who it is. Some people, they just want more time. They want to find the balance that they've lost in their life. Other people have goals and places they want to go. And so to take my business to the next level, I, I need to get outside of myself. I can only take my business as far as I am as a, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as a person professional. And so in order to continue growing, I need to pull in a team. So people come to us that way too. My social media is only doing this much. I wanted to do more. I need help. I've exhausted my resources and my mental capacity or same with bookkeeping. I've tried. <laughs> it's, it's not pretty. <laughs> Nothing makes sense, but I like I've exhausted what I can do. And so there's that aspect as well. Gotcha. It's, it's kind of fascinating. Um, and I think some of this is due to the times. I, I'm curious. When people come to you, I want to talk about the control factor here. I, I think the last year and a half showed some of the real control issues with, with leaders and managers struggling to get people in the office just because, yep. and they say it's, it's all about culture, but it's a lot about control <laughs> and their way of managing. And a virtual has that additional, they're not out of sight, uh, especially when you do offshoring, like you're never, you may never even meet this person ever. Um, how do you help people navigate this control issue or are they not even coming to someone like you? So as someone who has control issues, I completely <laughs> understand. <laughs> uh, You're in recovery too. Okay. Great. Recovery. Yes. Yes. Definitely in recovery after 10 years of outsourcing. <laughs> uh, so the biggest thing is showing them that they can let go. So many times we're helping people let go of their baby, essentially, you know, like they've built this business, they care so much, they're passionate. And how can you care as much about my business as I do, hmm. which is a fair question. And I think that's all, a lot of what that control comes down to. If you don't care as much, you're not going to do as well. You're not going to invest right. as much, but you get that same care and passion invested in your business when they care about what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So there are people who are passionate about insert whatever. Like, so if that's, uh, you know, a contractor, I bring that up because I had a contractor at my house yesterday. Like a contractor is passionate and about building things, making beautiful things, fixing things. So that's how you get that expertise and that passion about it. It's not because he's passionate about his business. And so when you outsource, it's the same type of thing. Our, our bookkeepers or a bookkeeper should get such gratification from 
having your numbers in order and being Mm -hmm. able to look at those reports and recognize and realize where, oh, we have some issues here. Like you're overspending here and we could optimize profitability here. And if you made these tweaks, your bottom dollar goes to here. And like that passion for those things gives them the what you need to trust them and let them do their job better than what you would do it because they also have the expertise to go behind, to go with that. So it sounds like a craftsperson, you know, somebody who who really takes their craft seriously. Yes, it's the whole concept yeah. of 80/20 like working in your niche, like what gets you out of bed in the morning? And mm-hmm. what do you really want to do and finding people to do tasks for you that that is their niche then that's how you, that's how you can let go. And all of a sudden you tentatively let go of this one little thing. And it comes back so much better than what you expected that then you're constantly, you're like forcing things now. (laughs) And that's after working, you know, in outsourcing and practicing outsourcing that long, I consistently go through my to-do list. I'm like, what can I outsource next? (laughs) And and like, that is exciting to me because I know it's going to be so much better. And so slowing down to speed up Letting go becomes something that you learn and you realize and you can value once you get into that and have those successful relationships. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. I've been a Beta Gamma Sigma member for the last 20 years. If you're looking to hire, the right candidate is closer than you think. Beta Gamma Sigma is the International Business Honor Society, exclusively for students at the top of their class in the top 5% of business schools in the world. BGS members are academic achievers, skilled leaders, and experienced problem solvers, and their skills and experience extend beyond the classroom. They hold chapter leadership positions, attend global business summits, complete ethics trainings, and engage in world-class internships with top corporations. When you hire a Beta Gamma Sigma member, you are truly hiring the best in business. For more information, email bgshonors at betagammasigma.org to learn more about how to hire BGS members. Welcome back. The one thing I, I'm curious about, Rachel, is has the conversation, how much the conversation has changed? Because you've been doing this a while. I know in the beginning, one of my hesitancies to outsourcing in the way you're talking about, and I still hear it from a lot of people today, is not understanding the value versus the price point. Mm. because it's very easy to say, well, I can hire an assistant even today. Say, I, you know, I can hire someone for $20 an hour. Mm. And if I call you and I say, how much is it for a VA? Probably gonna be more than $20 an hour. Yes, it is. <laughs> and in the beginning, I was like, well, wait a minute, why would I? And I'm sure you've gotten that question. I'm curious, are you still getting the question? And how do you answer that question? What do they need to be educated on? Absolutely. Still getting that question. I think that'll be an age old question. (laughs) And as a, someone with a bookkeeping background, uh, valid question, (laughs) like really like you need to evaluate. And there are definitely times that an employee would make sense. And so that's something you have to think through. And that is something that, uh, that your virtual assistant should be open and receptive to for sure. But what I would say is there are a couple things to think about. It are, can you find someone for that price point that you're thinking that is reliable and skilled and able to do the job? The more part-time the position, the less skilled the person is going to be 
not a guarantee, but just by general, by statistics, if you're hiring full-time, you are then opened up more to people who that is their career. By outsourcing, you're getting better results on part-time work. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I would would think about as far as that goes is do you have the ability to network and find all the people you need for all those little mm-hmm. tasks and things that you want done? And you have the time to manage a team like that in such small capacities and roles as what it would be if you did hire employees for all the little things to have the expert that you need. A lot of people who hire an employee yeah. would hire an admin who also does their booking and also so does their social media, but they're not going to get all the results that they need from all of those things. So how much are you hurting your business by not getting those results? And how much is that costing you? And all of a sudden, $35 an hour doesn't sound so bad compared to the 20. Uh, When you start looking at all those other variables, as well as then efficiency, when when you hire someone who is a virtual assistant, you tend to get better efficiency than when you hire an employee for a variety or series of reasons. And so that's also a variable. Yeah. Plus you're looking at, you know, language, you know, do they, it is English native. It, are they in the time, same time zone? Or, you know, sometimes I want somebody who's in a different time zone so that they can get some work done while I'm not working, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so I'm finished with mine. Now they can pick it up. Now I can, you know, and so back and forth. So I see benefits in both, you know, certainly communication wise, I have clients all over the world. And when I'm dealing with somebody in Australia, it's just very different. Because, yes. you know, now we have to find that that narrow window of time where we can both be available. Well, one thing I'm curious about, I don't know that I heard it in your uh, when you shared, Rachel, is mm-hmm. that one reality here that I'm now aware of is that if I have a full time person, the truth is they're not working 35 hours. A week. <laughs> right. If that's their work schedule or 37 or 40, whatever it is. I'm not actually getting that from them. I mean, every study has proven that. Even mm-hmm. your best people, they're not. And so part of it is if I've got someone who's on your team dedicated to my work, I'm paying for the work they actually do versus the time they have to do that work. I'm Absolutely. curious if that's part of your conversation and do business owners get that? Because mm-hmm. a lot of business owners will tell me, no, 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 I get everything out of my people. Yeah, well, right. You don't. <laughs> you don't. Hello. Yes, I think there are definitely business owners who have an unrealistic view of how productive their employees are. And that is not a negative on their employee. Mm. That is reality. And when you work with a company or a virtual assistant, they are only billing you for productive time, which is different. Now, that doesn't mean that that's all the time they're sitting in front of their computer. And so that is definitely a difference. And that is definitely something that we talk through with employers or, you know, business owners. They And they get it after we talk. Most of them, you know, they get the difference. And they tend to see that more when they see their bill. Yeah, like when they see this is how much you're you're signing up for. This is what you know what we've designated to you for this many hours a week, and this is what we can get done in that time. And all of a sudden, we're accomplishing essentially what their full time employee accomplished in fewer hours because they're not being billed for the inevitable bathroom breaks and the inevitable refill my coffee, and th- those are just normal life things. It's not that they have slacker employees, but <laughs> Our time clocks stop when we do those things. 
And that's, that is the difference. And when you start explaining it that way, it definitely makes more sense. What are the converse, what are the conversations that are happening today from business owners with you that are different than five years ago? Hmm. Five years ago, it was more explaining how this actually would work. Like, what do you mean you're going to do my bookkeeping when my receipts are sitting on my desk? Hopefully, like, you know, like receipts may not exist, but that's a whole other thing. Um, You know, so that was the conversation then. It was a lot of education on, yes, this is possible. And yes, this is a thing that can work for your business. Because, well, it could, I understand it works for somebody else, but it can't, it it doesn't work for us. Um, That was our old conversation. Now it's more about strategizing what to outsource. It's more of a, I know I need to outsource. I know I hear about this thing, but I don't know what that looks like for me. And so it's the conversation and the consultation about what do you do? What is what does your day to day look like? What what eats up most of your time? Recommending they time block and figuring out when they're most productive. And it goes into more coaching type thing of figuring out what needs to be taken off their plate to give them the best results for what they're looking for. And that's the conversation now. So I'm curious, um, for the benefit of people who are listening, who are whatever level they're at, considering outsourcing or hiring a virtual assistant, they're going to have a lot more options today than they had five years ago and a lot more options today than they had a year ago. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many people, you said, you mentioned social media which means they're just throwing it out there. I mean, I get, I don't know how many I get a week from VAs on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So they've got tons of options. What are some of the key questions that the person who's interested needs to be asking to, you know, separate the wheat from the chaff here? First, I would definitely determine what you're looking for. Because you'll also find on a lot of these virtual assistant websites, you'll have an independent virtual assistant that can do all the things. They are social media strategists. They're a QuickBooks expert. There is an executive assistant. But I guarantee you from experience, they can't be an expert in all of those things. So you need to figure out what you're looking for, first off. And I recommend, I have a strategy to kind of work through with people on how to go about picking what that is. But once you figure that out, then you know what you're looking for. That narrows it down a lot just because you know what you're looking for. And then you need to make sure that that person is qualified, trained, has certifications, and is actually who you're looking for. We have a lot of people who we talk to about bookkeeping, let's say, and it's like, oh, well, my niece does it. She's going to business school. She is probably quite intelligent, quite capable, but you're not going to get the same results that you would get from hiring a bookkeeper who has been doing it for, you know, 15, 20 years. It's a different thing. Is one right or wrong? No. What do you need? And so then it's figuring out where you want to go based on those qualifications and those types of things. And that will help you weed out what you're not looking for, you know? And so that's my, that would be my strategy on that. That's a really good point. Rachel, where you're not, you're not necessarily looking at the cheapest offering, you know, it's, it's a family member, it's, you know, a friend, something like Mm -hmm. that, who happens to know something about it versus somebody who has been involved in multiple businesses can see through, you know, what the numbers look like, or 
whatever situation it is and be able to craft intelligent guidance based mm-hmm. on what they've seen in other situations as well. So you, now you're not just saying, oh, okay, well, this is my first company that I've ever worked with. And so I'll just accept that this is the way things should work. Correct. There's a big difference. And it's very similar to like what I expect from my business coach. I, I hire my business coach and I want to hear, well, this is what this other business that I've worked with has done in this situation. And this is how I handled it this way. And this is how we came out on top. You know, this is how we got there. And you don't get that if you don't have someone who has the expertise and that experience. So you started off by saying the first key question is figuring out what it is you actually need. Mm-hmm. And I would say, cause I've had the experience. Sometimes I need help figuring that out. <laughs> right. Yes. Cause I know what the problem is, but I don't actually know what the solution is. Right. Mm-hmm. Great point. Um, so that's one piece. So what are some of the other questions people need to be asking that VA or outsource solution to help them make a decision about the right fit? Well, so in determining what to outsource, I, I'm going to tackle that first. I think this will answer. I think this is answering your question. Uh, cut me off if not. <laughs> so I like to tell everybody to make a list of all of their mental responsibilities, everything that mm. you're responsible for. And that means doing the dishes. That means taking out the trash as well as <sighs> running your business because outsourcing is bigger than just a virtual assistant. Mm, and so putting all of your mental load on a piece of paper, then realizing wow. what do you physically have to touch? Like what requires you, your expertise? And those things are non-negotiables. You have to do, you have to prioritize those. You know what those are. And so figure out what those are. Then I recommend that they start isolating the things that they just never get to, they don't want to do, and that they hate doing, the things that drain them, that they dread. And those are where you want to start outsourcing. And you're going to find a trend in that. And it's going to tell you what kind of virtual assistant or what kind of office support you need. I actually have a digital download that I provide to people that helps them think through this, have different columns for different things, make marks, et cetera. So it's easy to organize. And then now you have your outsource list. Then you also can have your, I want to outsource this someday type of a thing. And so that then also helps you know, do I need just one person for this or do I need a back office team? Like there's just so much that can be gleaned from really taking the time to think through what's, what your responsibilities are and what you need to touch and what then your needs are as far as team members go. So Rachel, in this process, because this is, you know, this is an ongoing opportunity for me as well, looking at outsourcing and VA, et cetera. You've answered the question of how do I discern what I need or part of that. But I know you're having, if I sit down with you, I know you a little bit Mm -hmm. and I reconnected with you. I'm more likely to call you and maybe one other person because I know them, or maybe I reach out and get a referral. But if I'm not doing that and I'm talking to five different outsourcing solutions, they're all going to tell me the same thing, I believe. What are some questions I need to be asking them to help me determine the best fit or looking for? Yes, I, you're exactly right. And assuming skill sets look the same, you're talking to five identical people who are all qualified to do what you need, then I would focus in on work style and communication style. And personality, like, do we mesh as individuals in how we work? And 
the expectations of speed of work. What's their turnaround time on some of the things that I asked them to do? Does that meet my need? And it's not that one's right or wrong. It's, is it a good fit? And so I would start going down that direction. And that's where uh, having access to a team can sometimes help. Like we can determine some of those things as we do placement with our assistants to help you navigate through some of that because we know our team well. And as we get to know someone, we could go, oh, Christina would be great with Craig. (laughs) That this will work well. It makes sense. And so that is, those are the things I would pay attention to. And when you're looking at, let's, let's kind of like go back to your first conversation, which was, okay, you got this company started and then you realized you needed to start outsourcing. Now, clearly when we're getting started, we probably don't have as much funds to, to just kind of willy nilly throw out there. So when somebody's getting started and they're, they're saying, okay, I, I think that I can afford a little bit here or there, but it's like this, this multiple step, you know, you, you do a little outsourcing now you can make a little bit more money. Now you can do a little more outsourcing. And is that the way it works for some people or how, how do you see that? Absolutely. I love numbers. So <laughs> what I would say is how much do you charge per hour for your service or how much do you make providing your product or putting that together? You know, what is your yeah. hourly rate? Then what would you pay your virtual assistant? I guarantee it's going to be less than what your hourly rate sure. is. Should be. <laughs> and so. Now, if you can take two hours of your time each week or four hours of your time each week and pay someone $35 an hour to do it and provide $100 an hour of revenue generating activity for that same amount of time, you are now net positive. You are now making progress and you're more profitable than when you didn't invest in a assistant or in back office support. So that's what I go back to and that's what I explain to people in that scenario is that cost analysis and that makes sense it's just then do you have the revenue generating tasks to do sometimes you know can you fill that time to then pay for the assistant etc so that's another evaluation for a small business but most businesses get that and they're like oh yeah this makes sense i -hmm. i'll do this all day long i'm curious um you know we're getting near time here but a couple other things to clarify I would say the last five to 10 years, we've seen a boom in fractional solutions. Uh, We've got, you know, I think we've got, I think it really started most with the CFO side or the finance side, the fractional Mm -hmm. finance person, whether it's a controller, bookkeeper, accounting, whatever. But now today you've got fractional, um, you've got even some fractional CEOs, you've got fractional HR, you've got fractional sales. Um, Certainly, absolutely fractional on the marketing side. I guess, can you differentiate or does it matter between what you're delivering and the fractional model? I think it's very similar. Mm -hmm. It's just, I think, presented differently at different levels of support. Like you have a fractional CFO, but I don't know that I've heard too many like fractional bookkeepers. (laughs) <laughs> like it's it's a it's a bookkeeper. Yeah, like and so I think it's they function s- similarly in the yeah. same. They have multiple clients that they provide their service to. It's just at a different level. Mm-hmm. That's not personally, that's not something I've researched and dug into <laughs> like the differences between, but that's my gut reaction of knowing the markets. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's true. 
So is some of that, again, for the listeners who might be looking for this, is that really semantics? Or because I guess for me, it's not because fractional usually means I'm going to engage someone who I'm paying for a certain percentage of their time, but it's not fractional to me because I'm, I'm hiring, I'm engaging them for what I need. It's fractional for them because they're selling a fraction of themselves. Like you've probably, I'm going to guess, actually, let me start this over. You've got marketing folks. Do any of those marketing folks that you, you're part of your solution, are they that strategic level marketer? Yes. So we, and that is one of the differences in working with a team versus an individual, or then you're hiring right. that fractional person. But we have our chief marketing officer who consults on all of our clients, social media strategy, or the higher level, the, the larger packages, certain clients. And so they get that input, that strategy, that analysis and thought process, but someone else is doing the day-to-day of creating the social media posts, putting those things into practice. So it's a more budgetary friendly option than having the chief marketing officer do all of the above. Yeah, gotcha. That's how we function. That makes a lot of sense. Um, The last question I've got here is, You've mentioned social media a number of times. Personally, I find that the most confusing. And I'm active on social media, but in in trying to figure out my own social media and in conversations, I get overwhelmed pretty quickly, frankly. I think there's so much happening with social media. And I get even more of those outreaches on LinkedIn than VAs. I mean, I get, oh my, I I probably get (laughs) five, five or more a day. All I have to do is read the description said, it's some sort of digital marketing, social media. They're going to help me get new clients. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lead John. Um, what is ha- what are you seeing happening in terms of the solutions for your clients to just help people understand social media and what they actually need? Because a lot of the businesses that are going to hire you, frankly, don't understand social media. They don't know what they need. Correct. And that is a issue, so to speak. Sometimes people show up and say, I want this, but that's not what they need to get their results. So it's a lot of, I hear you, but this is what would probably be more effective. Now, there are no guarantees in marketing. People are involved, and that's a key thing about that. But you can monitor the algorithms. You can see, look at someone's post history and say, well, these particular things have been most effective. And that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about these over here. So let's go this direction. So we do a lot of analysis when we onboard to point people in the right direction as far as marketing goes. And with each client, it's different depending on what they're selling, how they Mm -hmm. present and what makes sense for them. And it all comes back to the analytics because the numbers don't lie. And so (laughs) this post did really well here's why let's do more of that to reach this end goal. And that's, that's how I would tackle explaining that. And that's how, that's how we go about talking with potential clients and new clients. You have to start somewhere. So we talk about what they want, but ultimately it's talking about the end goal and how do we get there? Well, Rachel, I I love this. I mean, this is certainly a critical topic today and going forward. Uh, business owners are struggling with it every day. This question, do I outsource? What do I outsource? Do I offshore? Do I whatever? And, and I think we found the right person for that because you've yeah. been doing it over several generations of this industry. 
even though it's just 10 or so years, you've really got at least three generations of this industry in there. You've got the <laughs> mm -hmm. pandemic, post-pandemic, you've got pre-pandemic, and then you've got the time before it was even a thing. So you, uh, you brought a lot of wisdom to us, to our listeners today. Very grateful for that. We always like to wrap up and allow our guests to have an opportunity to highlight or promote something. What is that for you, Rachel? I would highlight my podcast. We are starting into our second season. The first season was about me and my journey and what I learned to hopefully help and benefit other people. Second season, I'm interviewing other professionals who outsource successfully and learning from them. What, what works for you? What doesn't? Why? What's your motivation? And so that's, I would, would mention my podcast, which is Checking Off Your List with Rachel Luther and uh, ask that you give it a listen. Well, well, we will share that for sure. What is the best way for people to connect with you, Rachel? You can find me on social media. On Instagram, it's Rachel Luther. Then on Facebook, you can find the podcast at Checking Off Your List with Rachel Luther. Then you can always go to my company website, checkoffyourlist.com. Wonderful. We'll share that in the notes. We always wrap up with a couple questions. And the first one for you, you've already shared a ton of wisdom, but what's that one wisdom bomb you want to leave everyone with? I would just say that I, rec I wish I would have outsourced sooner <laughs> yeah. in my journey because the exponential results I get now that I have been able to niche into my expertise in my business has been far worth it. And so that is. That is what I, my plea is to, to most business owners is just take the plunge and do it or do it more. If you're already doing it, do it more. Well, Rachel, for a lot of people listening who, are, who may say, well, but of course she's going to say that. I will add in that for myself and probably at this point, hundreds of business owners and entrepreneurs I've talked to over the years, the consistent theme is they wish they had hired their support assistant person sooner. Now, they didn't necessarily say outsource versus in-house, but that is a common theme of saying, I, I, if I had only done that sooner because it added so much value. Yeah. And I would say to everyone listening, you need that sooner because it allows you the opportunity to grow and to get to the things you really do well. And outsourcing is an incredible opportunity because it allows you to dive in at a, at a different level and not take on that full-time person right away. So give this some thought. If you're saying, I'm not ready, you are ready. The question mm -hmm. is, have the conversation and figure out how you're proceeding. It's not when, it's how. And I would say it's that thing that you really just don't want to do. You know, if you can outsource that, man, you can you can grow so much more. <laughs> right. and, and I will tell you this also, this is another plug for your whole industry, Rachel, because <laughs> I hear this regularly as a coach when I'm talking to business owners. And like the th like you said, bookkeeping, I'll find out they're, they're doing their books somehow. <laughs> and the answer. So here when you hear this in your head, business leaders, when you hear yourself think or say it doesn't take that long. <laughs> that is the clue to outsource it. Yes. That is right now because that statement, first of all, it's not true. <laughs> it takes longer than you think. And it doesn't matter how easy it is. If it's not what you add great value with, it shouldn't be on your list. So yeah. um, I, I love the title of your business. You know, check off your list. Somewhere in there, it's got to be remove this. 
from my list. That's right. Because this is what it's about. You want to grow, you got to take things off your list and get the right things on it. So thank you so much for that, Rachel. I do want to give you this opportunity uh, with one more question. What's the book? What's the book that folks need to track down? So along the lines of outsourcing, one of the issues that people then have is how do I manage all of these people and how do I (laughs) keep it all straight and work with them? And one of the easiest things that made the the biggest impact in my life for that was the one minute manager. Hmm. It, uh, it provides a really effective strategy for busy professionals so that you can manage in a way that doesn't take all of your time, because that's ultimately the goal in outsourcing. You don't want to spend as much time managing your team as you did doing it. And so that is, that is the book that really has helped me. Hmm. Love it. Love it. Love it. So thank you again, Rachel. Thanks. uh, And congratulations. You know, you've been on this journey. You're at 10 years plus. Uh, That's a pretty significant number. And uh, I encourage you to make sure you celebrate that uh, as you continue to not only move forward, but grow your business and help other businesses grow as well. So thanks, Rachel. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to your favorite podcasting app, rate us, give us some comments, share some love. It helps us to get our message out to more people. Thank you so much. If you enjoy the Leadership Junkies podcast and you want to grow your leadership, we have a new course for you called Become a Confident Leader. In this course, we will share some of the keys to becoming more confident in your leadership and also to become more impactful. Go to cartavera.com confident to find out more. See you on the inside. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) I know, right?